You're listening to Awaken and Sin, a podcast about life and mission at Doctor Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Doctor Church, we are back uh, in the Doxa Awaken and Sin podcast. I'm excited to be here today. I got Randy uh, to my left, and also we got Justin Kramer with us, aka Crane Stain. I told you that in confidence years ago. <laughs> It's hard for me to uh, even uh, say Justin sometimes, just with Kramer, just is uh, so natural to say. Um, but uh, excited, uh, Justin, that you're here uh, to be able to share um, with the church body in regards to uh, the elder candidate uh, process. And I would love for you to take a moment. And most of our body um, know you and Becca, um, but just uh, just take a moment, introduce you uh, yourself, your family, your girls, what's going on there family-wise, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of roll into the podcast from there. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to be here. Um, my wife and I, Becca, as most of you probably know, we've been married almost 10 years, and we have two little girls, Eli and Merritt, and praise God, we have a little boy mm-hmm. on the way. Uh, as Becca's pregnant with him, and so our, our families continue to grow. Awesome, awesome. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, uh, just the process of you and Becca coming to DOXA um, from the beginning, you know, kind of where you were, how you got introduced to DOXA, and a little bit of that, that process. Yeah, I don't even know if you guys remember this, but so Randy and I were at Surfside Press together, and that was a church that since I've been in Myrtle Beach, and that's almost 15 years, when I was a college athlete that we were plugged into, we did our premarital counseling there. The pastors at that church married us. So we were heavily invested there. And I remember it was August of 2012. And you guys had just started the gathering, uh, oddly enough, one Sunday at a Kroger in the top there. You remember that? And Becca came to me and said, I think we need to be a part of the church plan. And I said, you are crazy. (laughs) And she let it lie. And I remember specifically being on the way home from a business trip in Greenville in the car by myself in November. And it was almost like God himself visited and was like, you need to be a part of this church plan. Came right home. I'm like, well, it's hard to ignore that voice, (laughs) you know? And I came home I said, you know, Beck, I think you're right. And it was just, I mean, it was, it was, I don't know if it was days, but it was not long after that, that we started coming and participating in the Carolina Force Rec Center Sunday evenings when they had that semi-professional basketball team that was, we were sharing with. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you get to know people. It was, those were strange times, but they were formative. And so we, I mean, that was November and we, officially launched our first service in in March mm-hmm. of of that year and that's where it started our journey um, with doxa and it's been such a long interesting uh, uh, <laughs> journey along the way um, I preached my first sermon there a couple months later in June mm-hmm. and I look back and cringe at that time we had some gracious members. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, we have now, we've been a part of the church since the beginning and to see it change the way it has, but more importantly, to see the way that 
myself and my family have changed because of the church. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of it, but there's been lots of ups and downs relationally, conversationally. Um, but, you know, Beck and I think that the church is the centerpiece of both personal and family discipleship. Mm. And, you know, hearing even Eli ask us the other day why one of the neighbor girls doesn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Becca said, well, why don't you ask her? <laughs> I mean, she's four. And that's all right. she's known. Right. I praise God for that. Yeah, very good. Uh, real quick, can maybe we can double back and um, just give a short version of, you know, what's, what's your story with Jesus and your testimony and um, how you came to faith and a little bit, a little bit of that background? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, but was a Christian by osmosis. You know, you, you could sort of take your family's faith as your own. I mean, I was the, uh, athlete at school that also walked around with a Bible in my hand, but I, I didn't know Christ and my senior year, uh, being heavily recruited by colleges and the team was doing well. And, um, but I was living in sin and in rebellion. And, you know, a lot of people don't have distinct moments and that's, that's great. Um, I have a distinct moment, uh, where it, it was the first time in my life where I was aware it's February 23rd, 2006, I got a tattoo on my arm. I never forget. Um, and it was, it's the first time I realized that I was absolutely an enemy of God and that I was hellbound. And it scared me. Um, it brought me literally to my knees. And I remember sitting in a living room with my mentor at the time and my dad. And the presence of God was so heavy in that moment for me. It, it was almost like I couldn't even stand up. Mm. And that was my conversion moment. And by God's grace, repented. Um, and that was the first time that faith became real for me. And so not too long after that was February of my senior year of high school. I was off to college. Um, and I'm so thankful that through the ministry campus outreach that, um, that I was shepherded in the faith from the moment I stepped foot on campus. And our team chaplain at the time was also uh, the director of campus outreach. And over the next four years, um, as my football career never worked out quite like I thought it would, um, but that was certainly by God's grace. Uh, I met my best friends in life and I, there, there was a time. And so this is just an encouragement to ministry on Coastal's campus. There was a time when we had double digit team members. So I think like 18 or 20 dudes professing Christ, living it out. That's 20% of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that were former drug dealers that had been suspended by uh, the school and the football team uh, were in Bible studies with suburban white guys like mm-hmm. me. And, and so I remember those times, those times were formative um, and they were encouraging. And so my best friends in life are the, the folks and the teammates that I had in those moments. And so um, Beck and I met on a blind date in college um, and then we're involved through campus outreach ministry, her and Charles and me here. And, um, and so the, the, the journey in progressing in faith has definitely been 
because I've been surrounded by ministries and churches uh, and people. And you've always been involved in, since campus outreach, you know, been involved in ministry. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that progression of how that, uh, you know, just uh, what career path you chose and why you chose that and how's that interplayed with, with ministry and leadership and, and that kind of. Yeah. I, I remember coming back, I think it was my second or second trip for the summer where campus outreach does those summer beach projects. Uh, and I came back and it was my junior year of college and I called my dad and told him I wanted to change my major uh, to religion. Um, he said no. (laughs) And so, uh, but, but, I remember that probably being the first time that I said I was just thinking through what, what, what do I want to aim in the trajectory of my life? And at that point, it felt so uh, black and white in that you either did marketplace or you did ministry. And so that was a, a journey in and of itself and seeing how, how much mesh there is, both biblically and structurally. Um, and so. Uh, that was my junior year. We graduated. I went to work in finance and um, always had a desire to be involved. And it took a long time. And I'm still trying to find out where God would uh, God would do in terms of um, uh, personal ministry, because I think those work in seasons. But even when we came to Doxed, I remember the first time getting an opportunity to preach and then preaching regularly really for the last seven or eight years, um, you know, four, six, eight times a year. Um, and, and two years into our time at docs, I remember specifically, it was a, um, uh, Palm Sunday sermon. And I opened, it was in Zachariah and I opened the text and I didn't know how to interpret it. And fortunately, as a part of campus outreach, both Becca and I, had a lot of people that poured a lot of time in, on, in in us on how to study the Bible. And I remember feeling wholly unqualified in that moment to be teaching God's people God's word. And so I said, I, if this is something that I want to do and believe God's called me to do, at least in, in a season, I need to be taught in ways I can't teach myself. And so I enrolled in seminary classes. And that was hard, <laughs> uh, but had a, did my first seminary class and then baby number one came. Mm-hmm. So that was off the table, right? And then uh, career and work uh, started progressing um, in a lot of ways, but have always wrestled through. And, and we've, we've wrestled back to two questions fundamentally for a long time. At the time, Beck and I joined Docs, we had been married just almost two years and now it's almost 10 and you know, almost three kids later. So a lot has happened, but the journey has always sort of wrestled with two questions. Number one is, is God calling me and my family into full-time vocational ministry? And number two is God calling us into Myrtle beach Mm long-term, you know, and, and you guys have talked about it a lot, but there's such a transient culture here. It's hard not to feel that transient pull. Right. Like, well, this is this is Myrtle Beach, but where do we want to set roots down? Mm -hmm. And at least to this point, God has said, yes, it's Myrtle Beach. 
And, you know, we realized a lot of times that can be excuses, at least for us and our family to not be planted deeply, to not build relationships. But you look at Paul in the gospel letters, he's like, look, I know I'm not going to be here for a long time, but who can I get real with and how quickly? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so felt convicted on that a couple of years ago. And so it's Myrtle Beach until it's not Myrtle Beach. Right. And the Holy Spirit has the final say in that. But then the other question is that we come back to often. I mean, th- I mean this is like a week ago. Becca re-asked me again, you know, are you sure you're doing what you're doing? And so I, I think the journey and the desire for me in in the ministry of eldership has been there since I've been a part of DOXA. But through wise counsel, through my wife, through my own conscience, uh, there's never been a time until recently where I felt like that there was an opportunity and I was qualified. You know, we've had some very honest conversations multiple times over the last couple of years where you know, one conversation it's, hey, I'm reading First Timothy 3 and I don't think I'm qualified yet. And then other harder conversations are, hey, we think you need to grow in this or that. Um, and so the, the journey to eldership, eldership candidacy has not been a straight line. It's been very bumpy and very rigid. There's been times where we're wondering, is Doxa even the church for us? Um and those are good questions to ask, right? They, they, they can be scary because mm-hmm. you don't know what's on the other side of the answer, but they're also the right questions to be asking. And so, um, you know, God has continually to this point said Myrtle Beach, said Doxa, and said no to full-time vocational ministry. And that doesn't mean it's no forever. It means it's no right now. And if God calls us to labor here in this space for the next 50 years, then that's what we'll do. But if it's for the next 50 days, then that's what we'll do as well. Um, but I, it has been an incredibly humbling experience um, over the last almost eight years uh, in the deep relationship. I mean, I even go back to when we started uh, the church, it was the two of you and me sitting at eggs up grill trying to say, Hey, what's the church going to be doctrinally, right? What are we going to believe? What, what is it going to be about? And to see how you guys have really led. Um, and Jonathan too, Jonathan being part of the, the early formation, uh, him and Kate and their family, seeing how you guys have led us to where we are, um, has been, I think one of the bigger growth tools, um, you know, that's, I think that's one of the, the points Paul makes when he says, come follow me as I follow Christ. Um, I think natural tendency is people want to be the one that people are following, but it's in following other people and watching other men and women lead that you really are formed more into the image of Christ. And I do believe, and I think my wife would attest to this, that I am more formed in the image of Christ because of the church because of the leadership and eldership of you guys uh, and because of the time spent waiting and laboring in patience and prayer for, um, you know, where we are right now. Yeah, I, 
as I look back to uh, over the, the last eight years, you know, it's, it's so much easier when you look back and, and you can see and praise God for different seasons of growth and understanding. And, and I can, I can definitely uh, testify to seeing that in your life overall of just uh, uh, the life of the church or the elder ministry in itself and uh, growth in love and service and, um, just seeing you and grow as a, as a man and loving your wife well, having kids and leading in that area. And I know it's really difficult um, to balance all that as well. And you're, you're talking about this struggle between, you know, my, my, if I call vocationally to the marketplace or, you know, uh, because you see God's hand in there as well. I can say as well, we've we've had a good conversation where you see like God's blessing this and there's a a great need for this. Like not everybody is called to uh, go to, uh, vocational ministry in itself, um, but you can be faithful in, in the gifts God's given you uh, in in the marketplace and serving at a church as a you know what, for lack of a better term, a lay elder. Um, but uh, it's been a joy. I think it's it hasn't like you said it hasn't been uh, always been easy. Uh, <laughs> there's been tough conversations, and uh, but now I can say it's it's definitely been a joy through the process. So thank you for your, um, I guess, sticking with it on some of it, <laughs> you know, and, and, and asking those hard questions of, you know, it, what you're doing, dealing personally in this timeline and everything. I would say is, is as we wrap things up, if you kind of distill, you think like, where has God, like, can you say like, where have you seen growth? Like even looking at the elder ministry differently from, you know, the, uh, the early days of Dr. Church, and that's some of it too. I, I would tell everybody, like, uh, we have grown, me and Randy and Jonathan through the process of years, he starts like, we've, we've grown in a better understanding of the elder ministry. You know, how does that look like for us as Doxa Church? I mean, that looks differently in different churches. And I think that's been part of the growth process that you've been involved in as well, uh, growing towards that. And so, um, but anything that you can kind of share just with the body, like you think about it, like, wow, like how you've, you see it differently or, or not in uh, positive or negative, just how that's changed. And now you see the season and the timing of Lord willing, being able to serve uh, in the role of elder at Doxa Church. Hmm. It's a good question. <clears throat> I, th- I think at least one of the first things that comes to my mind on and I can only speak to, to my experience and what what that has been. Um, but God in his in his providence and in his kindness um, appoints seasons of waiting and seasons of of moving. And um, I almost look back on the other conversations that we've had a little embarrassed that I lacked the self-awareness of where I really was. I mean, that's why Paul warns us. No one ought mm-hmm. to think more highly of himself. Um, anyone who thinks he is good, you know, deceives himself. And, you know, that is one of Satan's greatest schemes is self-deceit. And the self-deceit sounds so similar to the truth. And I'm thankful that I have a godly and loving wife and godly brothers and, and leaders and shepherds um, to to help direct me. And so 
I think I have come to continue to value wisdom outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I, w- I would just say, um, you know, especially for not just men who desire uh, eldership, but women who desire to lead in the church, I would say those are good and godly things. And it doesn't have to be, and it, it, it isn't biblically choosing between motherhood and service in the church or being a uh, business owner or employee and a, a faithful church member. I mean, when Paul says he's a tent maker, he's just letting you know he didn't get paid to do church stuff. But for all of the arc of Christian history, it has been men and women committed to their families, committed to their marketplace and their communities, but committed to Christ. And the primary way that we show we're committed to Christ is being by active members in our local church. And even when I fought that internally, um, whether it was wrestling through uh, whether we're supposed to be in Myrtle Beach or whether we're supposed to be at Doxa Church or God was doing something that even I couldn't see. Um, and I hope if if the Lord wills it, that he'll allow me to serve in even a different way um, uh, over the next uh, couple of years as an elder um, and get to walk through uh, probably many of the same struggles that I've been through um, and hopefully get to share the ways in which God has grown me, has grown our family. Um, but we love this church. We've come to love Myrtle Beach. Um, and we're thankful um, that God has us and our family uh, here in this moment for this for this time. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Justin, for coming in and spending some time with us. Uh, Dr. Church Body, I just ask you to continue to pray for Justin and uh, also pray for David and Tad uh, in regards to the elder ministry as we're continuing to seek the Lord uh, for his will. Um, if, if these men are called to come and to serve you uh, and be your shepherds, as, as Randy highlighted last time, but David did a really good job of just saying what the, the role in the ministry, this uh, of being an elder um, entails. And so this is weighty things to, to pray about. And, and we are seeking God's face uh, and answers in this. Uh, thanks again, Justin, for coming in. Uh, Uh, Keep praying, Doxy Church. Love you guys. Peace.